Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Matthew, the spooky season is upon us. I feel like I feel like we're I feel like we're kicking off the month really good here. Oh welcome back guys. Absolutely. It's episode 90, 96. 96. We got a double feature for you. Double feature for you guys this week. Candyman, directed by Nia DaCosta, and also a foreign film of the month, The Call, a South Korean film. Um I have some things to say about both of these films. I also I also ha- was able to watch uh, the original Candyman and the new one. So I'm really excited to talk about like the differences and everything involved with that. Well, <clears throat> so far, so you've said Candyman twice now. That's three, three more times. I hope you're not looking yeah. in the mirror. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I think every time for the rest <laughs> of this episode, I'm just going to look down. At the table, whenever I say the name, I just won't even. I won't even look in a reflect, or I'll close my eyes. I'll just close, close my eyes, eyes whenever. We, we don't or need C. that bad juju. I'll just here. reference him and just call. I'll just reference him and say CM. See, <laughs> <laughs> yo, we're reviewing CM. We're not playing yeah. these games today. Yeah. We're not it's messing, not messing around. around. No, we it's are not. Not to be messed with. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. We we've seen the movies. We know what happens. We, yeah. We're not. We're not. I'm not playing that game. Uh, but yes, I am also looking forward to uh, talking both of these films with you. I, I am very much excited to talk about Candyman, but I'm I'm more interested in your thoughts on The Call, uh, our foreign mm. film of the month. That one was interesting, to say the least. Um, so yeah, so can't wait to dive into that a little bit later in the show. But as always, we're going to dive into what we've been watching, as well as uh, we start to start off the show with some news. So let's start with, it's been a slow week, Ernesto. It's not much news has happened since we last spoke. We had a lot of news last week and then not that much this week, which kind of tend how these things go sometimes. Uh, but the the biggest news that came out of last week, and one of the only things that anyone's talked about within since this news dropped, at least on some of the pages anyway, is that uh, the movie theater experience, Ernesto, I believe we can officially say it's back. And oh, that's an exciting it. thing to say. Oh, my God. Like, things have been rumbling before, but this week in particular, this one right here, I think it's showing this, telling the times that we're going back to some sort of normalcy, which is fantastic. I I agree. And, and it's funny. It was one of the – I was actually going to bring it up because during my What You're Watching, but this, uh, this past weekend, I got to see a very, a, an opening movie. This past week. I mean, we're saving it for next week, but I did get to go see Venom this past weekend. And let me just tell the, you, the movie theater was packed. Did you say you saw like an advanced screening? You just went opening weekend to go watch the movie? No, I went opening weekend. Oh, you went opening weekend. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was, I was like, you got exclusiveness? Excuse me. Nah. Um, you no, know, well, I'm not that special. Come on now, man. Yeah. <laughs> 
But let me tell you, I booked my tickets in like early afternoon, and my showing with the 7:30 showing was completely packed, as opposed to like a couple of pocket seats here and there. I was like, well, I'm gonna go ahead wow. and book my seats now. And when, <laughs> when I got there, that real quick. the whole the whole theater was completely full. Well. That's, it was I mean, just it was just great popping out there. Yeah, and yeah, it's it def, a true sense of normalcy coming back to the theaters. Well, I want to let's talk about your theater experience in just a moment. But the movie in question that we've been dancing around of a bit, uh, Venom: Let There Be Carnage, debuted over the past weekend, dominated. When I say dominated, dominated the box office uh, this weekend, making ninety point one million dollars. Now. Granted, in this pandemic era, it's a big deal. But also for many reasons, this is a huge deal. And then we're going to explain why this is a big deal and a good sign for movie theaters moving forward. Uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage has officially broken the pandemic era opening weekend box office record with that $90.1 million, beating out the previous record holder, which was Black Widow, which opened at $80 million, not including the Disney Plus numbers that was released. Um, In addition to that, Venom 2 surpassed the opening weekend numbers for the original Venom that was released in 2018, which opened at $80 million. Now, that's not uncommon, Ernesto, for a sequel to outdo the original. But during the pandemic times, that's a huge deal. A huge deal. I mean, there was Uh, a lot of advertisement building up to this movie. True. And also with the many delays that it had, it was also building a lot of suspense for people who have been literally craving to watch this movie unfold. Apparently more so than the other Marvel movie of Shang-Chi and and Black Widow, who was the previous record holders. Um, But the fact that it beat it, not like it inched out Black Widow, it beat it by a whole $10 million. Mm. Like, Dear Evan Hansen didn't even make $10 million in the opening weekend. And it's like, this just goes (laughs) to show, like, like it beat, it was a large margin. It wasn't a tiny margin. Uh, Like, Shang-Chi opened with, like, $75 million. Uh, Fast and Fierce opened with $70 million. So, like, these blockbusters that are theater only, with the exception of Black Widow, have been really driving the movie theater force for people to want to come to the theater, which is the whole point of the movie theater experience. Um, In addition to surpassing the original box office number, uh, let there be, let there be carnage exceeded expectations by wait for it. 20, nearly $30 million with analysts saying that it wouldn't make more than 60 million in the opening weekend. So it's like, Venom's like, I see you're 60, and I raise you another 30, because that's what we're going to do here. So that's crazy that even box office analysts, people get paid to look at all these numbers, and it was like, there's no way it's going to make more than 60. And and there you go. It was like, boom, here is a $90 million opening. Um, it's just crazy just a, that it – good. No, I was just going to say, I mean, just imagine what Spider-Man's going to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> if, if this is a sign that Spider-Man is going to blow everything out of the water, and hopefully exactly. when we say that they're that they're beating, hopefully the pandemic era opening title card is going to be going away. Like, when is it truly over? Is it already over? I mean, that's up for debate, not discussed on this true. podcast. But um, like, I don't know when 
the articles are going to continue using the pandemic era opening because this for me sounds like it opened big. Yeah. Like we're just, we're getting back to like, it's getting back to as normal as we can be, you know? As nor- yeah. And, and slowly getting there too. Obviously as things are getting better, obviously people are more comfortable going to the theater. Um, on top of all of that, Venom 2 was not the only film opening this weekend to exceed expectations. The Adam family, Adams family two, opened at $18 million. Now, you may not think that's a big deal, but it also opened on video on demand uh, as well. So people had the option of renting it at home and watching it at home. But a good amount of families decided to go to the theater. And that also exceeded expectations because they thought they were going to probably make about maybe $10 million or so because you have the at-home option. Um, but families love a good cartoon. And especially right here in the spooky season, Adam's Family 2 definitely fits the bill of catering to the people who want a little spookiness and for families. So I'm not sure if, if you plan on watching that with the kids sooner, Nesto. Uh, they wanted to see it, but, uh, you know, Venom came out this weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, maybe next week, kids, okay? Yeah. All right. It's, it's, not, it's, the, it's not one that it, like needed to be seen. Like, it's not a rush. Or there's, for at least for me, at least there's no, there was no rush to go out there. It's still going to be there. I mean, Venom's still going to be there, too, but... That's true. But Venom. Priorities. It's Venom. (laughs) Priorities. Priorities. So that's a big deal. And then rounding out the top three this weekend with an additional... Making an additional $6 million was Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, which is officially the highest grossing film of 2021 with $206 million domestically. And that will make it $386 million globally. Uh, Shang-Chi was also the number one movie at the box office for the entire month of September. Venom was the movie to to tip, you know, to kick it off the number one spot. But even all of that, all that being said, it's also crazy that the number one movie in the box office, the number one movie, the number one highest grossing movie of 2021 is sitting at $206 million. Back, uh, Avengers Endgame made that in a weekend, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, but it's, you know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a while before we get back to that. Very true, very true. Um, so it, it's crazy to see that this is like I think I feel like this is the first time, really the first time, where I'm like, okay, people are comfortable going back to the movie theater. People want to see these big blockbusters. Obviously, there is a metric to releasing these movies exclusively in movie theaters and not with the the you know the the mixed mode, the hybrid models, the yeah. streaming and this like obviously like uh, the many saints of new york which is uh the uh, sopranos prequel opened at number four and it made only like i don't know like four million dollars that movie is available on hbo max and i'm sure a lot of people especially a lot of sopranos fans sounds like they just went to go see it on hbo max yeah because if you watch the soprano shows on hbo <laughs> chances are <laughs> and you're a fan you probably still have it it's like oh i don't have to go out to the theaters so mm-hmm. so i would even say the numbers that they did get is higher than what i would have expected oh interesting okay because then the only only uh, the people who out who who went out to go see it are like they have to be true fans of the property and of going to the movie theater yes yeah you got yeah you're hitting that double whammy there absolutely have, those are the people who went to go see it so considering that's like a subset of our of an already small population, like of people who have seen the show, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, or maybe people who are just interested and heard a lot about it, and maybe this will, in, maybe that them seeing the movie will pique their interest to start the show. 
I don't know. But most likely they would have watched that on HBO Max and not in the theater. That's true. Uh, if, if, if they did go watch it. We don't know what the HBO Max numbers are, how many people tuned into it, but The Sopranos it has a very, uh, I, I would think a large fan base. It definitely kickstarted HBO. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course, yeah. I mean, of of like of the majority of people who have HBO, like mm-hmm. of that, just between that subset of people. I mean, even, I've never seen it, though. I've always wanted I think it's something I've always wanted to watch. Like, it's kind of been like, yeah, I want to watch that. And then it just, you know. <laughs> It, it's on the list, as we as we would always say. Yes. Where is. on the I, list? I feel like... Who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> where is the list? I have no idea where it is. <laughs> but you know that uh, there's got... a mental list somewhere. It's there's somewhere. Absolutely. There's a mental list somewhere in your brain. But also, like when you say like I'm gonna start The Sopranos, it's like I'm gonna watch The Sopranos, which is seven seasons long. So like yeah. it's a it's a it's a long road to get there. Like you know you're starting yourself hour long episodes. Start... <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Exactly. And it could have been during the time where those episodes were like not ten episodes. It could be like in the twenties, yeah, you know, exactly. when when that was the at thing. least like so. sixteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, oh, okay, Whew. we got a we got a mission here. That's a lot of um, commitment. <laughs> a lot of commitment, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and then you know, even the top five, you know, we we discussed this last week on Dear Evan Hansen. It opened at number five this week, making probably another like four or three million dollars. I don't know the exact number. Um, but I mean, you can hear all those thoughts on last week's episode. We had a great conversation about the movie with Sheldon Dutez, our special guest. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, obviously not a lot of people went to go see Dear Evan Hansen, but everyone came out to go see Venom. So clearly the big blockbusters, people are willing to leave their homes to go watch it immediately instead of waiting for these movies to come to home release whenever they do. I mean that's where the movies are gonna thrive is getting mm-hmm. these big movies that need that require being seen on a big screen that you know that big Absolutely. big action you know musicals thing things of you know things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really cool is that I mean just because we've been now that I've been going back more consistently now, you know even though I can't avoid the previews, it's cool because in the packed theater you see them, you're hearing people like have many conversations and being excited about movies coming up. They're like, Oh, Oh wow. I can't wait to see that. You know, you just, see, you hear mm-hmm. all those little whispers back in the theaters again. So it's just letting you know, like all oh, people, people are definitely are coming back. It's, it's going back to the way it used to be. I mean, now with that... some of these, some of these, these trailers are so good. I ended up, <laughs> I ended up seeing the Spider-Man no way home trailer. See, there's no point of me. There's no point of me seeking it out. Cause look, I ended up watching it. Yeah. And I got to see it, and I got to watch it on a Dolby screen. So, I mean, yeah. it was worth the wait. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's interesting. So, like, without giving anything away, I have yet to see the movie. I, I'm going to see it this week. Um, but what were the reactions of, like, being – like? well, let me, let me, let me preference. Um, was this the first time you being, like, in a packed theater? Like, that, like mm, that full of a theater? That full? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was like, like it was like it was like Endgame full like okay okay <laughs> it was like so, like every seat every seat pack so you know that, everybody's I mean, being safe people wiping their seats yeah. down everybody's wearing masks so mm-hmm. so but with, it was with packed. that in mind <laughs> uh, yeah I'm, I'm not doubting it obviously with these numbers a lot of people went out to go to the movies this week um, or this weekend and so with that do you feel like that throughout the last couple of months we've been going to the theater going into empty theaters. Um, now with a packed house, did you feel like you found yourself 
like as a community, like you're, you're in that theater with a group of people for a limited amount of time, like in a community setting, did you feel like you enjoyed the movie a little bit more despite what the story is? We're not going to dive into that. Uh, but just like the atmosphere of the theater, like did it feel yeah. like people were either collectively angry or happy or sad or excited, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it was cool. To, it was just cool to see a large group of people react collectively to what we were watching. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. There's so, okay. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all I'm saying is just avoid the. If you really don't want to be spoiled, like just avoid the internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can I can probably attest to that as well. Um, with anything really, especially like a big property like this, is like typically people rush to the theater and see the earliest showing possible because they want to avoid the the, the spoilers that the internet can be privy to. Um, so I'm definitely, I had a busy weekend, so I'm gonna be watching it probably at the time of this recording, probably tomorrow or the day after. Um, so I'm not, you know, so I can avoid as much spoilers as I can. Um, but also, I mean, with all these the theater talk and everything, this is a great sign that this is a great a great sign for the movie th- studios who have been holding out on these upcoming tentpole films, waiting for a big payday. Obviously, Sony, the many times they delayed the the film, seems to work out in their favor when they finally release the film. Um, movies coming out later this month that hopefully the, worth the wait, especially the next James Bond film, No Time to Die, that has a huge fan base that might bring in, because currently just the nerds have been contributing to the theater the, the theater growth with Black Widow and Shang-Chi and Fast and, and, um, and, and Venom. But now No Time to Die, the next James Bond, that's a whole different subgroup right there. Yeah, we're getting into the holiday season of movies, so they're going to start getting, you know, these are the ones that the people who don't normally come out to the movies, there's usually... There's usually like one or two to pull them, like you, whatever the big Disney movie is that year, which right. I think this year is um, Encanto. In, in Canto, in Canto, that's right, with uh, yeah. Stephanie Beatrice. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like some people don't go to the movies, or they might just be watching at home. But there's that one, and I feel like James Bond could be a lot of that one for a lot of people who have been waiting to see this movie, um, yeah, especially Daniel since Craig's it's been delayed. Movie. Exactly. There's a lot of writing on this movie as well. And it was it was getting positive reviews from when it um, premiered internationally last week. So that's definitely boosting up for, uh, you know, a, a big U.S. number. We could be talking next week and be like, well, guess who beat Venom? <laughs> no time to die. Uh, but that would be determined for next week. But, yeah, like these big studios were holding out for big payday. Seems like it's paying off. Uh, no time to die is coming out next week followed by Halloween Kills and Dune. Now, those two movies are in a different scenario because Halloween Kills will be opening with Peacock on the same day, and Dune's going to be opening with HBO Max on the same day. So I'll be very, very curious to see those numbers if the streaming, day-to-day streaming release, is going to affect the big numbers that the studios may want from it. Um, but we know that other films that are opening exclusively later this year, like The Eternals, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Disney's Encanto, West Side Story, uh, Spider-Man, No Way Home, all of those are coming exclusively into theaters. And I think those are the movies that are going to be seeing a huge payday come out um, once they are released. And these numbers are just going to go up 
and you know it, it'll feel like normalcy back in the movie theater oh man especially closer to the holidays i mean if everything goes as planned is there's the vaccine is supposed to be available for kid or for younger kids supposed to be later this fall or that's so it right could be right in probably right in time for the holidays um especially for a lot of these big films so even the people who are afraid you know maybe who are wary before now they have this option where if they wanted to go out they could be safer you know especially with the kids now being able to get vaccinated as well exactly yeah um so yeah so so there you go if if you're exciting for movie theaters like Ernesto and I can attest to, we love going to the theater. We, nothing beats a movie theater experience. Ernesto swears by Dolby. I also love Dolby. It's the best. (laughs) Um, And it's just great to see because, I mean, literally since we started this podcast, we, since we started this podcast, the last big movie that we've seen with like a packed house, in my opinion, was uh, Rise of Skywalker, uh, the last Star Wars movie. And that was earlier when we started this. And right. the next big, the next big movies we were waiting for, was never. It was a quiet place. We were about to, we were getting ready for that, and then I had already got, bought my tickets. <laughs> I had yes, already bought my right. tickets to go see it. And then you know the rest is history from there. So it's it's kind of exciting to see that you know all right we're getting back to you know excited to see the next big blockbuster and the fact that they're not getting delayed. We're done yeah. seeing these delays. Like we want these movies that. to come out. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. You know, we're we're still waiting on other movies like the like Mission Impossible and Top Gun that keep getting delayed from Paramount. Um, uh, what's the what's the other one that just uh, Fantastic Beast? I don't think it ever got delayed, but that's coming up next month. We talked about that last week. Uh, but like, there's some big movies that are coming out in 2022, um, especially not to be not to um, lose out on all the Marvel and DC content we're getting next year. Oh my God! If you look at that lineup. It feels like every month we're getting either a Marvel movie or a DC movie. I'm not mad at that. I'm not, not mad, mad at, at that. <laughs> oh my god! Not mad at it. No, I'm not. They got Thor, Batman, uh, Aquaman, Flash, uh, Doctor Strange. If the list goes on, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very super 2022. But anyway, there you go. That's all the news we have for you guys this week. Uh, if you want the latest breaking news, you can always head over to our Instagram page at box office underscore ventures or head over to our Facebook page at box office ventures for all the latest and breaking news. And then after we post it over there, when it happens, then we'll talk about it over on the podcast. And that's how we do things around here. Uh, so now we're going to move over to a fun segment we like to call what you watch. And so Ernesto, we'll start with you. What have you been watching? Um, well, it hasn't been that long since we recorded, so I don't really have much. But actually, something I forgot to mention last week, um, I'm actually just finishing up season one of Lucifer on Netflix. Oh, okay. And it's very much a, like a, you can very much see like a Fox cop procedural show. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm here for it. Like, he's, uh, he's very, he's very much an, he's an, such an interesting character and, like it's perfect for um whoa, who were we talking about it with a couple of weeks ago about having oh when we were talking with Jake um about finding that show to watch on your break that's just long enough yeah. to fill your break it fills that it fills that gap I can watch it an entire like episode and it's like all right oh that was nice all right now I got something it like gives you something to look forward to the fall fo- like the following day you know like, like yeah and there's I think there's only six seasons so 
it won't be too long before I knock it out. I've already, I've already knocked out season one. But I do think season two and or three have like a full a full season order. So like 23. Yeah. It's the long like 23 episodes. <laughs> so I'm yeah, going to be on that... it. I'm going to be on this Lucifer ride for a while. But and then, you know, it leaves eventually leaves Fox and comes over to Netflix. So I'm excited to see like how the production and story changes happen when it jumps from uh, Fox to Netflix to Netflix. I think it lasted either three or four seasons on Fox before it made the jump. I think it's three seasons and I think season four leads the, uh, like the Netflix stuff. Mm. And, and, uh, and also if I'm not mistaken, season four, because I guess since they're on Netflix, they can be a little bit edgier, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe switch the format a little bit. I know I've never seen the show, but I did remember reading that season four literally started like the first frame was an ass shot. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, you got a full booty, right? Right. We're on right, Netflix right. now. <laughs> run, you're on Netflix now. Here's the fun. <laughs> so I guess whenever you get to season four, you get that to look forward to whenever that happens. Like that, <laughs> I saw the ass. <laughs> 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 I saw that peach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I again, that, that's been on my list. Apparently, it's higher on your list than it is on my list to go watch yeah. it. Um, but I know Esteban was, was kind of raving about it a couple weeks ago when we had him on the show. Um, and Lucifer was always on my, like, that looks good. Uh, like, I saw it on Fox. Like, I remember watching the trailer when it debuted. And I was like, oh, this feels, feels like a show I would watch. And then for some reason, I never took the plunge. And then when it went to Netflix, I'm like, oh, I can watch it now on Netflix. And then I never mm. got to it there either. So well, uh, I know when you eventually just, watch, you won't be you won't be disappointed. Well, that's good to hear. I know that just wrapped up, right? I think it just like the I final season so. just just hit Netflix like a couple weeks ago. So whenever you finish, it sounds like you're going to get the entire story. So that's good for you. Yeah, I don't have to wait anymore, so that's nice. No, nope. that's the beauty <laughs> no of streaming. No waiting for me. <laughs> it's like it's like why why hop on like unless it's something that's really current that you know you're really really dedicated to watching. It's like why hop on it unless it's done, <laughs> you know? Right. And <laughs> unless you're worried about spoilers, like you said, like dedicated to watching that this is prime viewing for you. Um, but it, you know, it's funny because there are some shows that I was interested in, and then when it gets canceled, I'm like, well. I guess I'm not going to watch this show anymore. Just, just, just due to the fact that it got canceled. Like, I don't want to commit to a show knowing yeah. that there's no end to it. Because there's been, I remember, I, and I, it's like, especially growing up, I remember being on show, like, watching shows like, man, I thought it was so good. And then it's like, all right, when's the next season? And then they come to find out it got canceled. I was like, what the fuck? I really like that show. Like, I, I, I was emotionally invested in these characters, and I were never going to know what happens. <laughs> How dare you cancel <laughs> this show? I was watching it. Exactly. Um, there was one show, uh, Limitless, that was on I CBS, I think so. And it was, oh my God. It, it was basically a spinoff from the movie Limitless that starred um, uh, Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Cooper. And yeah. Robert, Robert De Niro? Robert De Niro, yep. Yeah, they were yep. both in it. Great movie. Loved the movie. Yeah, it was good. And, and then uh, the show came out, and I thought that's a cool idea for a show. And it wasn't like it was a it was a spinoff. And even Bradley Cooper made an appearance once or twice in the first season. So like kind of continuing that story, like passing the torch along. 
And so I was like, okay, right on. Like I'm, I'm into this. And it was like, when it, it was good. And then like each week, Megan and I got excited and watching the, watching the show. And then at the end of the first season, they're like, no, we're canceling it. And I was like, but why? I don't understand. <laughs> like I was watching it. It was a good show. Like, who wasn't? Who else wasn't watching this? I just. Who do I need to talk to? <laughs> <laughs> I would like to speak to your manager, sir. The head of the studio. I'll go right yeah. up to the top. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I own the first season. Luckily, it ended. Like, th- luckily, there wasn't much of a cliffhanger. It was just like a little one. But like the main story ended. So. I guess now it's called a limited series because it never allows exactly. anything more than that. <laughs> and we never found out what happened. That's even that's the worst. When they ended, mm-hmm. almost like they were confident. Like if you ended on a cliffhanger, that means you're confident you're getting a second season. <laughs> oh yeah, and then when like it's kind of like what happened to Manifest. Like right. I, I think if I remember, they it ended on a big cliffhanger before Netflix, you know, got it for a final season. But a lot of people weren't happy when it when it got canceled and they left on a big cliffhanger. Netflix swooped in and saved the day, literally. Um, so, but yeah, either way, I'm, uh, it, Lucifer sounds like a good show. It feels like something that I would be into. Um, I mean, it's very much yeah. a cop procedural show. Like, you know, they they find they find a way for him to work with the cop, and then he has capabilities that a help aid the case. As any, it's very so it's, it's very formulaic tip very typical in that in that aspect but it's good i mean it's good i think he they they put the two actors they both play well off each other i mean yeah. he's handsome and he's supposed to be like the handsome devil <laughs> oh, so okay. okay it works <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned um like a cop procedural because that's what limitless was like he took the pill to help the cops is that the only thing that works on cable anymore like if it's not about a lawyer, a doctor, or a cop, it's it's not going to work out anymore. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's taking it's taking uh, the supernatural and adding it to like shit that happens every day. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anything else you've been watching? Uh, yeah, we're still trucking along through Midnight Mass, and it's, mm. we're almost done because I think there's only six. I think I saw there's only six episodes. I could be wrong. There might Is be. Is it really? It's either six or eight. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Oh, six seems short. Eight sounds about right for like a like that type of show. Um, let's see. It says it has seven episodes. Okay. okay. So well, we're on five. Gonna, so either way, we're we're getting pretty close. That might be. We might. Be, that might be tonight. Although, and I have yeah. a. I have a. I also have a half of what you're watching. So we started. A movie last night, the new Jake Gyllenhaal, um, oh, the Dispatcher movie, The Guilty, and mm-hmm. we watched like the first twenty minutes, and damn, it's pretty good. <laughs> Is it good? <laughs> yeah, it, it. Like I was like, well, I don't know if I'm gonna watch it. I was like, I heard it was pretty good. My wife's like, all right, because we, um, and this is kind of leading into our, our review because um, we had just she wanted to watch the Candyman with me, so we watched Candyman mm-hmm. together, and um. So we were still kind of like, what in that like watching TV like, all right, we can watch like we can watch another movie. So we stayed yeah. and we're like, I was like, so she popped on Netflix. I was like, you want to watch our show? You want to watch a movie? She's like, I kind of want to watch a movie. So I was like, all right. So she put a movie. So then she puts on. I was like, oh, I heard that movie, The Guilty, because um, I remember we ran a, a story about it at the station, and mm-hmm. um, kind of just you know 
advertising the movie. And I was like, oh, I heard it was pretty good. She was like, boom, let's just let's watch it. It's like, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was pretty good. Jake Gyllenhaal's he's he's great, and it, it he's a great it, actor. Uh, yeah, it's uh it's definitely worth the watch. It's it's yeah. like a kind of like a like a thriller. Where I'm still not even a hundred percent sure because you know we got twenty minutes in. We were like, oh, I'm getting tired. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's always funny, like the confidence level going in. It's like it's like even like we're watching a show. Can you do one more? I can do one more. Easy. Yeah. Let's yeah, do it. Easy. Yeah. Five and, minutes and in, you're, you're like, like <sighs> <laughs> And then you get like the you get like the I get the hit. Like, hey, you said you could do one more. Yeah. You get it, wake up. <laughs> or you do the or you do the half wake up and you're like or you realize you fell asleep, but the other person's so into it, you're like, "All right, I'm good. I'm, I'll just skip back up. I'll just, yeah. I can catch up from here. I like, I, I'll fill it. I'll fill in the gaps." <laughs> or you like you you kind of like in and out, and so you're like, oh, and then like you catch like the tail end of it. It's like, yeah, I've been awake the entire time. Yeah, and I, and I know like, what happened. And then like, and then like on the side, like when like when you guys separate and before you come back and watch the next episode, you're like, shit, I gotta I gotta watch this. I forgot everything that happened. Oh, you gotta go to the bathroom. Episode. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You go back and rewind, <laughs> or you read a synopsis online. All right, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready. <laughs> How long are you in the bathroom for? Uh, roughly another fifteen minutes, if you don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, the guilty was good. Yeah, I know we were. That's gonna be a future review down the line. We were talking about that. Um, but yeah, anything else you got? Uh, no, that's it. That's all I got. That's it. Uh, be, before I talk about mine, because I also haven't been watching that much, um, and I kind of want to bring it up. I haven't watched it, but everybody all online, we were talking about it at the station today. A lot of people are talking about Squid Game. Mm. I almost have watched you, the first episode. Have today. you heard of it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of. I've heard a lot about it, and it's see. Yeah. It's it, it's high on the list. I know we might have to make that a foreign film like discussion because this is getting oh, it's a, it's a, a limited lot. series. Yeah, it's getting it's a lot a, of buzz. It's getting a lot of buzz, and I was like, and I've seen some images, and I was like, what the hell is this? And a lot of people are calling it. It's weird. It's gruesome, but it's good. Kind of reminds me. Like without literally knowing anything, like it gives me like Black Mirror vibes. Mm-hmm. The best description that I've heard about it so far, it's like Black Mirror and Hunger Games. That's what they're comparing it to. Mm, yeah. So I see that. I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, this this kind of checks out, I guess. Um, but yeah, so we might be talking about Squid Game in the future, but I believe it's a South Korean TV Limited series. series, right? Yeah. Limited series, yeah. Um, and so it's kind of great to see that, you know, kind of the same thing with Parasite, that a show is being, you know, widely popular and, and that being also in a foreign language. You don't really get to see that that often. I think the last show that has done, generated that much buzz is uh, Money Heist. That's also oh, on yeah. Netflix. Yeah. I haven't watched it, but I know a lot of people were raving about it. But oh, yeah, I know many people who have seen it and said it's great. But, but like a ton of people are watching Squid Game, like a lot. Of, it's actually with the store that we ran today at the station was like it's quickly becoming within only three weeks. It's becoming the most watched thing on Netflix ever of all time. Really? Yeah. So like the word I don't know, is Matt. <laughs> buzzing. Yeah. 
That's what I'm saying. We might have to make some, we might have to make some altercations on our next foreign film of the <laughs> month because yeah, we might have to make some, we might have to change it up. The original yeah, plan. Maybe, <laughs> maybe November might uh might be squ- uh, squ- Squid Game because it's it's a lot of people are talking about it. And it looks good. Like um one of the, the people that we work with, he said he wa- he couldn't put it down. He said he started at four p.m. and he and he and he watched all of it and he ended at two in the morning. Oh jeez! Like he just he couldn't put it down. So I was like, okay. And this guy doesn't watch TV that often. So like he he decided to set time out for this. So if that guy's watching it, we we we're definitely gonna watch it soon. <laughs> we got to see what all this buzz is about. Um, but yeah, so it, you know, I just wanted to bring that up because I know a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, but yeah, I haven't been watching that much uh, this week. Uh, kind of another busy week for me. But Megan was in town, and prior to number one. The one thing we had to watch, well, I mean, she's already gone again, so <laughs> we're like, we still have to put on a hold on this. Um, but the prior number one is Ted Lasso. Mm. So we uh, watched a couple of episodes of Ted Lasso. We still didn't even get caught up. That's how busy we were. Um, there's only one more episode left at the time of this recording. So we had stopped on episode 10. And I believe um, there was episode 11's out right now, and then 12 comes out this Friday. So. And that's the finale. So I'm sure you're going to be starting it soon since it's ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then yeah. I'll just watch the whole season. <laughs> all the whole season. Um, but yeah, I, what, the most interesting thing I found out about the show was that uh, the creators of the show originally wanted 10 episodes. They, had, they created a story arc of 10 episodes. And Apple wanted more episodes because of the popularity. So they decided to make two more episodes. So they got 12 total. And the two episodes that they included were kind of spread out in the middle of the season and uh, they did not really fit with the main story. They're kind of like side stories, if you would. And so there's one episode that is basically a Christmas episode. It kind of focuses on the holiday, a great episode. And then the one I just watched uh, puts all of its attention on the assistant coach. Um, Mm. Beard is what they call him. The whole episode focused on him. It is by by far the weirdest episode of Ted Lasso. <laughs> oh, it, like, it does not in a good way or a bad way, or it just doesn't fit. I don't I don't know. It just doesn't fit. Like I I liked it, but I did I was like, what are we doing here? Like what's going on right now? <laughs> Why like, is this, this happening? Is very, this is very strange. Do you remember when Breaking Bad? Everyone was up in arms about the episode called The Fly. Yes. That's what that reminded me of. It's like, this is the fly of Ted Lasso. It really has nothing to do with the main plot, but it's intriguing nonetheless. See, but, so, the, well, the difference is, is that the fly is, like, the the best character episode on Walt you get throughout the whole series. Because they, because mm-hmm. they, because the whole purpose of the fly was, you know, it focused on his OCD and, and, and just everything and kind of gave you the understanding of why he became the person that he did right i mean does it help that way or is it just that it just it just kind of it's kind of weird and it doesn't i mean i i think to to your point this is the most the most character growth that we've ever had well excuse me um this is the most character growth that we've had on the assistant coach like the whole 45 minutes is on him so we get to learn a lot about him. So if you like the character, then I guess this is the episode for you. But if he's not your favorite in in the line of of, of other characters, 
then maybe you might not enjoy it as much. You see, with yeah, Walt, he, he was our main lead. That's true, but but he supports Ted. You know, he he does. He helps him be the person that he is. So it's, I mean, it's obviously. It's, I I would say, you know, it's without seeing it that it's probably important. Yeah. Yeah, in some ways, like obviously moving forward, we get to know we know a lot about this character, uh, a lot more than we ever did before, and a lot of time that you know he's always been, I guess, some sort of a mystery character throughout all of this. We know we don't know much about his backstory, and you kind of do now. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like the adventures with Beard, and what does he do when he's not coaching? You find out at least how that night went. <laughs> but it was an interesting. It was an interesting episode. And then, as as always, you know, this season has continued to give us all the feels. So um, it, it, I'm not sure just yet. I, I feel like it might be a little bit funnier than the first one. It, it's definitely dealing. Well, I think the first. Let me take that back. I think the first one is a little bit funnier, um, but there's a lot of comedic moments in in the second season. But I think what the season's really doing is kind of. Um, it's a little it's the tone is a little bit darker uh, because mm. we're getting to learn more about Ted and he's not always the happiest guy in the room mm. that we you know that his character is growing in that way. And so you can tell that behind, you know, the facade of a lot of these characters, there is a deeper level that we need to dive into. Um, and so that's what this season's all about. We're getting into a deeper psyche of each character, aside from what we were introduced in the first season. So, and for that regard, I'm really appreciating it. So, I mean, it's it's winning awards for a reason because it's really that good. It's a really good like show. Yeah, I. Whenever you get to it, I'm sure you're gonna have the same opinion. And if and if we don't, well, then we're gonna fight about it here. <laughs> um, but <laughs> we'll fight it out here on box we'll office. Box office Ding ding. Here we go. <laughs> Round one. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So I'm enjoying what we're watching. Whenever Megan gets home, we're probably gonna wrap it up because she's gonna she's gonna be away when the final final episode comes about. And then there are so many other shows that um, we need to watch when she returns. But. Uh, I did. Fun fact, though, Ernesto, I did get the okay to watch clickbait without her. Mm. So, I think uh, between that and midnight math, (laughs) I'm not sure which one I want to start first. But those are the two top on my list: either midnight mass or clickbait. I'll let you decide right here on the show. Damn, why are you gonna put that? I knew you were gonna ask me that. Why are you gonna put that pressure (laughs) on me? Oh, do do clickbait first. Do clickbait first. Okay. All right, there we go. If you got it, that if by next week, you know what I'm watching. I hope you should have um, it finished by next week. <laughs> oh shit! Right. I expect a full report. <laughs> Not only am I expecting you to watch it, you got to finish it, and the papers do on on next record. Okay, yeah. full report right here. But I need you to finish uh, clickbait and start at least the first episode of Midnight Mass. So damn, some... you're putting me now. That that's like extra credit homework. And you got work to do. Come on. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about next week's episode. I'm thinking about next week's episode. <laughs> yeah, content, Matt. We think yeah. about content, all right? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's all I've been watching um, aside from that. Uh, I got a lot of homework apparently next week as well. <laughs> um, so now – and then on top of that, which we're going to dive into in a minute, um, now we're going to dive into our spoiler review of 2021's Candyman. Uh, that's one. Directed – 
That's one. Uh, <laughs> uh, directed by Nia DaCosta. And if you heard my fun fact from last week, I'm going to say it again. Nia DaCosta is the first African-American woman to have a number one movie in the box office opening weekend. And that movie is CMAK Candyman. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, so congratulations for her that this movie uh, did so well in the box office, at least for her. And, um, yeah, and then part of also the what you're watching, but also in preparation for this film, we, we both watched the original Candyman, the 1992 version. So we're probably going to talk about both. But, Ernesto, what were your thoughts on Candyman? Um, so how do we, how do we want to do this? You want to just talk about, you want to start with the original one? Um, I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on, on the new one and then we'll kind of sprinkle in how, how the original one was a big kind of, it was cause the, cause the original film, I felt like needed to be watched in order to. And I had no plans. I had no plans on watching it and you were right. Yeah, so, you know what I mean? so I wa- I f- I watched the first, so I watched the new one first, and then I watched the um, the original one. But I thought the yeah. new one was um, it was it was pretty good. Um, I really enjoy the main the main lead, Yaha Abdul Mateen the second. Like mm-hmm. every, I I think he's like he's very up and coming. You know, he's going to be in the new Matrix movie. Um, I'm excited to see whatever he continues to put out because he's a he's a phenomenal actor. Um, oh, I yeah. thought, but I thought the movie itself had like a very eerie feeling you know you see him like after he gets stung with the bee he gets grossly like he just picks that scab on his hand oh, i think the disgusting. worst part is when he's sitting in the critics when he's sitting in that critic's house and you see him like literally li- we literally watch him play with it and pull it off from the skin i mean that that was good prosthetics because it looked it looked pretty real i thought that i thought they did a really great job on that um, that was disgusting. I was like, I need to turn away. I can't watch this. Um, I will say I did get to watch the movie twice. So I saw it last week in theaters, and then I got to rewatch it at home. Uh, I rewatched it at home this past weekend. Thank you, Matthew. Um, no. So on the first time, I felt like I didn't really understand the motivation of the guy from the laundromat. Like it was just very muddled to me, and it seemed mm, a mm-hmm. little rushed. Um. But actually, after rewatching it again, I noticed that in an opening scene when he's walking up the stairs and the cops run by and they don't notice him. But until he drops the candy, he's the one who drops the candy and gets that candy man beat up and, and mm-hmm. basically creates that candy man. <clears throat> so I almost felt like then when I rewatched it and I kind of got that part of the scene, then it made sense on why he was trying to recall the candy man, almost like almost felt like he was trying to like repay his debt and also on the second watch i, I felt like i enjoyed it more because i paid attention to more just watching all the mirrors and the reflections because there was oh, a yes. lot there were a lot more times that he popped up in mirrors and reflections that i didn't necessarily notice the first time mm-hmm. so upon watching so did you watch the new one and then the original and then the new one again uh, no, I did. I actually did new, new, old. <laughs> okay. <laughs> new, new, old. Okay. So when you had watched the original one then, were you able to kind of pick up on the story beats that they were trying to tell in the new one? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I would have gotten it. I would have picked it up right from if I, especially if I had just watched the original and then watched the new one, when they said that his, his name was Anthony McCoy, I'd have been like, oh, yeah. 
that's the McCoy. That's the family and the baby from the first one. Like, yeah. <laughs> so obviously, yeah. you know, yeah, but so I didn't really, so I guess, yeah, I didn't understand. I didn't understand that at first, but I did get to enjoy it as a reveal during the movie. Right. You know right. I mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I mean, I felt like I'm not, I, I'm not sure if this movie was marketed as a reboot, but this movie is by a hundred percent a sequel. This oh, is yeah. a sequel to the original. Oh <clears> yeah. It, it, I, I see, think but that, it's perfect because it uh, it honors the original material, but you can you can still it finds a way to continue the story that that they've already started to build. I mean, yeah, it cut out all the all the other extra ones, but it's it yeah. took it, but it I think it's a smart decision doing that kind of very similar to what Halloween is doing, and obviously we yes. see the success with that. Mm-hmm. And the Exorcist is about to do the same thing, and this is. I don't think Blumhouse has anything to do with this one. Um, I think this is all through Monkey Paw Productions, which is yeah, Jordan Peele's. Peele. Yeah, and uh, he he had a hand in writing it as well as Nia DaCosta, who directed it. So Jordan Peele had his hand in this movie. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I think I think for me, watching the original first and then watching the new one for me that definitely helped. For some reason, I did not remember the last name of of the woman being McCoy. So like when the reveal happened in the new one, and I was like, "Oh, that's the baby." <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe the only reason I noticed it is because I watched the new one and then I watched the old one. So then when I right, heard yes. the name, it it rang a bell. So that could have been it too. I think that they the name was said more in the newer one. At least the last name was said more than in the old in the original. So I, I and it's funny because I had watched that back to back. I watched the. I watched the original, and then like a couple of hours later, I watched the new one. So I'm surprised that I didn't uh, pick up on the last name. But also, speaking of that, Vanessa Williams, who plays, uh, I believe is Anne Marie, uh, yeah, Anne Marie McCoy, uh, is played by Vanessa Williams. She played that actress in 1992. She played that yeah. character in 92. She came back for to play the mother in in the new movie. I thought it was a different actress. I did not believe it was the same woman because she looked. She did not age a bit in in, no. in almost thirty years. Yeah, she looks like exactly she, the same. She looks exactly the same. She looks fantastic, and I was like, "Oh my god, is that you?" I had to go look it up real quick, and I was like, "Damn, that is you." And <laughs> and um and it's so funny too the way that she was like he was about to say the name and she like she goes, like mm. clapped to it. Stop. No, mm, no. <laughs> nope. 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 We don't say that name here. <laughs> we're, we're, not, we're not playing that game today. We are done with that. Um, but what I really enjoyed about the movie was that, it, because I think it was a, a, a great transition, um, I was watching a video, and and I think it said, it said the words perfectly when it said, the new sequel doesn't regard doesn't disregard in any way the series mythology, but it builds on it from a new perspective. Yes. And I and I feel like that's a great description of what this movie is. I did I have not seen the other sequels that came out after the original, aside from this one. But the original one was very intriguing. Like it was, it was, it was in that like you said that eerie vibe. Also, like the score that played at the beginning of the movie. It like it was really cool to hear that and played at certain elements of. It wasn't the main theme of the new movie, but it definitely played. 
throughout in the in the in the in the new one. And but in on the old one, like not many people died. Like there's a there was a few death scenes, but if you compare it to the new one, like, like there weren't nearly as many. It felt like it focused more on like the the idea of being scared by the lore as opposed with hints of him being there as opposed to the actual killing. You get a few deaths here and there, but like the main thing that terrified me is that Dan is that man's voice <laughs> from the original oh, Candyman. Yeah. Like like and that's what I remember. Like I don't even necessarily remember watching the movie as a kid or when I was younger. When I was young, all I remember is the voice. And that was what terrified me the most, even without <laughs> even really knowing or watching the movie. Because the movie itself, like, yeah, it's it's kind of scary. But, like, you know, like, it's more eerie more than anything. Like, like yeah, the idea yes. of being scared of, of being scared by him. And I'm really glad that they don't show you, like, of her cutting off the head of the dog or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then they don't – they didn't really mention – I mean, they mentioned Helen, but – they didn't mention the fact that, you know, that she's like one of the candy men, I guess, because they did. They didn't. You're right. Because the, and then also the guy, the brother, he mentioned something that didn't happen in the first movie. He mentioned that she came running out and rushed back in and then she rushed back into the fire. But that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not what happened. And, you know, what? and I actually I really love that aspect about that movie, because those are just stories. Stories are not always true essentially uh, so like or like like or how, how it like changes when has, it gets passed down exactly mm, so that's a really I, good I, point. I just walked i again i just finished watching the original and i saw him like oh okay they're just rehashing the events of the original that's cool until that scene came about i'm like uh no you got that you got that wrong that's not what happened in that in that in that movie either the writers forgot or this is on purpose which I, I think the writers didn't forget and this is on purpose <laughs> yeah but it um, but it but it automatically reminds you of like like the game telephone like when somebody tells a story like it continues to change as it as it passes down yeah and and obviously like the story was skewed a little bit because it looked like the community kind of roused together to kind of kill Helen to uh, to then rescue the baby, where in actuality, Helen was the one who saved the baby from the fire, and all, all of the community kind of paid respects to her at the end of the movie. Um, but it's, it's interesting because, in certain, and this is the part of the lore that kind of is intriguing, is that when you say his name five times in the mirror in a reflection, I don't know what decides you either being killed or you being part of his congregation. Mm. Well, he what is this thing like? Say my name. He, you know, there's always one to be killed, but then there's always a, there always needs to be a witness to the continue yes. his legacy. So I guess maybe that maybe it's that, or maybe you know we're seeing the people who get picked, like because like in the first one he didn't kill Helen. He be, he turned her into a Candyman. Yes. Yeah. And he did, which is, which was kind of the bait, the same premise of this movie. He didn't kill, um, Anthony. I think his name was. But yeah, I mean, Anthony, he was, yep. but he was, but even Anthony was. I mean, with with, he was already marked from birth to be the next one anyway, to be the one right. that he and, wanted. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I think that's also a really cool like tie back into the original story. Where like he he had big plans for this baby that he never had to 
uh, he never was able to fulfill back in 1991 in the original. But this movie kind of cleverly told the story that kind of like almost like Candyman always finds a way. Like he always finds a way to bring back the people that he wants to join his congregation. And throughout many generations, it was like it's almost like he, like unknowingly like uh, Anthony was following his his destiny. Like, this is what you're probably going to be turning into. Like, he was kind of obsessed with paintings. And, like, it wasn't until uh, the brothers started telling the story where he was getting obsessed with this 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 uh, what, what, this this character that is like, oh, this is all bullshit anyway. I'm not going to believe it. Until he started drawing, which I believe his paintings were the many faces of the different Candymans. Like, because, like, we saw, like, it was, like, half... Um, we saw, I believe his name is uh, the character, the original one, uh, Tony Todd, who mm-hmm. the actor who played him. Um, we saw his face in it. Um, we in only saw painting. him like we only we only see him um, like a like a few times. You see him one, you see him in the painting, and then you see him like that one time at the end, where like it's yeah. changing between the different Candymen. I don't I don't know how I feel about that because I guess maybe not to wrote. I I, I think I understand why they did that. Although I wouldn't have minded. Minded having his eeriness or his voice uh, just a little bit, a little bit more in the background. But I, I understood, I understood this, I understood why they wanted to separate it because the that's what's so iconic from the original Candyman movies is mm-hmm. is his voice, is his voice throughout it all. Um, so I understand maybe not not wanting to rely on it as much. Well, and I and I agree with you in that, but also I like kind of like it's not just one person, it's not just one being. It's literally anybody that he chooses that can be the next Candyman. So like, it's not the fact that he is the terror; it's the legend, like you were saying, like passed on from generations to generations. There's this being that keeps lurking, and as long as you keep thinking about it, as long as you keep bringing in the name or saying the name, then the legacy continues and he can live forever like um uh it was i think i saw in an interview with uh, with jordan peele the saints Candyman survival um is the story we get i'm oh, sorry uh his ambition lies in becoming eternal that's all he wants to do because he felt like his life was cut short when he was brutally murdered back in what the 1890s. early 1800s yeah. yeah and like he got his arm cut off. He was like, you know, they, they put honey all over him and the bees kind of attacked him and then they burned him in the fire after all that. Like those are, that's a brutal murder <laughs> to do all that. And yeah, like, I feel sucks. like in this, no, oh, yeah. And I feel like this was like his like revenge almost. It's like for all of the wrongdoing. And, and this is the next part of the, the story I want to talk to you about is that the movie kind of skewed the story again, um, builds upon the mythology from a new perspective. It looks like all of the Candymans that, that came after him were wrongly killed through some sort of either police brutality or, in this case, like racially motivated murders. Like they were all either killed wrongfully because of, because of the color of their skin. And we kind of saw that in the end credit scene with the with the little paper puppets. And we saw how each person was killed and then how they became Candyman and how they are kind of uh, leading this legacy moving forward. 
And now the original kind of touched upon that idea with, you know, with, with what he was doing in the original movie. But I feel like the sequel kind of changed the narrative just a little bit to be like, this is what Candyman now represents. I do feel like it was still kind of similar, though. Like they were I felt like this movie kind of the new one focused more on it touched on like police brutality and, you know, cops lying and you know things mm-hmm. of that nature and how they related that to Candyman, but the whole changing developing the projects and like ignoring the problems of the ghetto and like people chalking it up to Candyman, like that was still very prevalent in both films i thought that both films yes even and it's so crazy like you can watch the 92 version and still feel the same way still feel it's still i feel like it still holds up like the themes that they were trying to get across about the ghetto and thing in those projects, like it was still relevant. They're still relevant today. Like they, they translated, I feel like they translated in both very well in both films. And I thought they each like the original and the sequel complemented one another on that message. A hundred percent. Yeah. I I feel like that they were kind of hand in hand. I read a couple of reviews saying like, Oh, well the movie was good until they had to throw the racial card in there. I'm like, have you not been paying attention to it's what these the movies are <laughs> it's part of the story people like come on like they're saying like oh they had to modernize it to this to the to the problems of today and i was like no yeah. these were problems back in the 90s they've always and been a problem like yeah <laughs> it's always it's a, yeah right it's always been a problem it's not just a today thing and and because it's more talked about today is why it's being showcased like this today and also it's an important message to have and uh, it makes a complete sense of why Jordan Peele will want to put himself on this project of this re this somewhat reimagining of this character, but it's not a reimagination. It's with, it was within the bones, within the mythology this whole time. They just added more context to this, 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 uh, the legend of Candyman. And so I believe that this is why I really enjoyed this movie because it really elevated on that character. Like it made me care more. And also, now we're going into, like, I want to see more. Like, I'm all into this. Like, I want to see, like, give me this, give me the Candyman 2 with Nia DaCosta as the director. I don't know if they're planning on making more, but the way that this movie ended, it almost felt like this was, like, the rebirth of Candyman. And now, now the rain can, like, is really going to hit in the sequel, like. Like you thought this was bad. Wait till you see what happens next. Type of vibe. Now that that was gonna be my question to you. Do you see? Do you see? Um, do you see more movies? More Candyman movies coming out? Absolutely. I think. I think since you know it opened at number one, people wanted to see this movie. It was highly uh, anticipated because a lot of Candyman um, uh, fans out there. Um, and I, obviously I wasn't one, uh, I feel like a lot of these kind of, you know, sequel reboots have been introducing me to the older ones that made the, made them popular in the first place. And, uh, I really, I really dig the story. Also, like the second one didn't provide that much gore, um, that it's from the original, which I'm fine with, because I feel like with the reason why I'm, I, I, I really like this movie so much is that it's not about the gore or the horror. It's about the story. And if the story is strong and good, like the other elements kind of just like complement it. Like it's exactly. a horrifying, like it's a horror. Yes. And it's scary, but not really. It's not meant to scare you. 
in in a way. It, I mean, it, it 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 it's it's an aspect, but it's not. It's where some movies do it wrong is they where that's the only thing that they rely on. Where like yes, the killing the, the and the gore, scares. yeah, or in the jump scares. But there's something as both movies point out, like to like the eeriness, like relying on like build the idea of building the suspense. You know, like yes. seeing him sometimes in the mirror, seeing shadows, like kind of knowing that he's always lurking, even if he doesn't always strike when when you he striking when you least expect it. That's a good line. I like that. Yeah, that's that's perfect. That's a perfect description, because let's talk about those killings. Like in the original, he was kind of just all over the place. But in the in the sequel, um, we really got to see clever ways that these people were murdered. And the one that stands out, there's two that stands out to me. One was the first time we get to see the murders when he's, we only see him in the reflection. And yeah. he's like committing the, the murders through the reflection. That was really cool. Like, oh, you're talking I, about I in, the art, in the art gallery? I, because I felt like he gallery. was still, I felt like he hasn't at that point, you know, it really, in each kill, like, I felt like he progressively was able to be more present, like, like, I felt like he was building power. Like, if you notice, like, yes. you know, he was just in the mirrors. Like, it wasn't until the critic, even in, when he killed the critic, like, he was just he was just a reflection at that point. It wasn't mm-hmm. until he killed the little girl, which was, I, I felt like, you know, he didn't have to kill the little kids. But I guess that's the whole purpose <laughs> of Candyman. And Candyman doesn't discriminate. You play the game, right. he, come, he comes to collect. You know, that's you right. see him pop out of that window and scares that little kid. And even, even mm-hmm. he tells him, he's like, tell everyone. <laughs> yeah. And then also like the, uh, at, toward the end, obviously we, he's no longer behind the mirror anymore. It's almost like that he was able to take, uh, Anthony's body and get resurrected almost. Yes. Like now I can, I can exactly. live on outside of the reflection. I can move, move on from this. And, um, yeah. And, and then obviously we have the big reveal and he's like, and he literally tells, his wife or girlfriend, um, who is played by um, Tayana Paris. Tayana Paris, who plays Monica Monica Rambeau in Wandavision. Oh yeah. Um, if, you, if you didn't notice that, yeah. Um, so she um, and so Candyman tells her she's like, uh, tell everyone. That's what that's what made it feel like. Oh man, we're getting more of this. Like this is just the beginning. Like he, the name needs to live on. And through these art projects and the popularity of it and these murders, um, yeah, I, I, I personally thoroughly enjoyed this movie through and through. Oh, I'm sorry. And let me uh, forgot the other one. Uh, when they when they killed the um, the uh, the the one in the apartment, the the art critic in the apartment. Um, the oh, way that, that was the a shot, good one. Yes, I really like, enjoyed that was my that one was probably my favorite. The fact that they didn't rely on what typical horror movies do, like it has to be close up. We need to see the gore. We need to see the action of the murder. But in this case, it was great because it was just slowly panning out. And then you just see her like just like smashed to the to the window and you see the blood just spearing. And then you hear it. You also get to hear it. Mm hmm. And I was like, "Ooh, that's badass!" And I was this the, another the same video that I was watching was like they was comparing it to people like literally bad things are happening all around us, but we're being oblivious to what's happening around us. Like we choose not to see, even though there's literally a murder happening right downstairs. 
we can turn we can decide to turn a blind eye on those particular situations. Um, and so I thought that was an interesting comparison, but more so I thought it was just a clever way to show that, like cinematography wise. Yeah, like I thought just, it was very clever. Just, it it just it made it more impactful. Like if we had just been in the apartment, it might have been cool, but I felt like it was a little bit more effective in the way they did it. Absolutely, definitely more effective. I, I totally agree with that. Especially when you see like other people just going about their day, like in, exactly. in the other apartment building. Like it, it definitely hits, it packs more of a punch, like you were saying. Um, but I think those are just clever ways. Also, it was just like, again, going with the creepy factor when uh, Anthony was kind of looking himself in the mirror and he's like the other candy man was on the other side and he was like trying to figure out what's going on here. And like, that was weird. Um, yeah, all in all, like I wasn't scared. I, I think the, the, the kills were effective. And I thought the story as more important because I, for me, the most important thing is the story. The story was strong, and yeah. so like, and and with and with an ending like that, it wasn't say that it like shocked me in any way, but it just feels like, yeah, I kind of want to see more of this. I kind of want to see what else is going on here. Yeah, it was so, a decent. It was a decent horror flick. Yeah, would you say that this was like better than say Invisible Man? Hmm. I don't know. That's that that is say, that is saying a lot because Invisible Man there was a lot of suspense. That movie relied have also heavily on suspense. I will say it's probably on the same level, but I would say Invisible Man is a little bit better. But Candyman okay. is still. But Candyman is still. It's probably right. It's probably right there. It's right there with it. But you know, right, Invisible right, Man right. is just a little bit better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that, that's fair. I, I feel like I might be the other way around. I think I might like him. Candyman a little bit more than Invisible Man, um, but yeah, all in all, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I kind of, I, I, I feel like this the, the franchise, like watching these two movies, doesn't really warrant me to watch the other ones. But yeah. I, so this is a I do think, <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, this direct sequel. I think I got between these two stories, it works very well. I think the fact that they brought back Helen in an interesting way, like I heard that she came back to do the the, the tape recordings. Yeah. that, that uh, Anthony was listening to. Um, so not everything, because she did use a tape recorder in the original, but she didn't, um, uh, some of the lines that were said, it. right, we didn't get to hear all of it. And so some of them were from the original film, uh, but some of it was brand new information that we're getting from a different perspective. And so I believe she came back to provide her voice. So that was kind of cool to see. I wasn't sure if we were going to actually get to see Helen in this in this film. We didn't, but who's to say they were not going to see they were her in other movies? Um, but all in all, I think it, it honored the original, it, you know, it honored the orig original while elevating the story and the franchise. And, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I, yeah, I really like it. I'm here for it if they make another one. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, so there you go. That's our spoiler review on Candyman, another worthy horror, uh, film in the books. But now the horror is not done yet. We're going to dive into our foreign film of the month, the South Korean film, a Netflix original movie called The Call. So, Ernesto, what were your thoughts on that film? Um, actually, I went first last time. I want you to go first. Fair enough. Um, the Call was interesting, to say <laughs> the least. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I think... Like the the idea was interesting, where we 
Because it's sort of like I feel like it's sort of like a sci-fi, first of all. Like in less of a horror. It's like, oh yes, the... I agree. So like you, you start with a phone call and somehow reasons unexplained that when you well let's search with the yeah, someone answered the phone and somebody answered the phone uh and that person that we later found out happens to be from the year nineteen ninety nine. And it's calling from what someone from the year, I appear maybe 2020. I'm not yeah. sure if they, or, tw- or 2019, one of the they two never, years. They never really specified the year, at least not nothing nothing that I picked up. But we just knew that it was well into the future, at least 20 to 25 years. Exactly. Yeah, just about, you know, if I had to guess, like you said, 20 years or so. And so it looks like that the person on 19, the year 1999, the young girl that calls was calling for help because her mother was beating her. And and that's kind of where, like, okay, so now we're feeling for this girl. We don't know why or how she's calling. Um, and then it kind of goes from, from that to be like, hey, I think you're from the past. This is cool. Hey, can you save my father for me? Like, from, from dying? And, and so, oh, oh, sorry, the connection of, of the phone call was that they're both in the same house but different years. Yeah, very similar to like was, the lake house with the, the lake house. Yeah, exactly. That's what it remind. That's what I initially thought of was the movie <laughs> The Lake House. Uh, I don't think I've ever saw that movie with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. What's wrong nope. with you, man? I'm so sorry. Is, is, is that is the premise similar? Like it's like a, from a phone call from different time periods. It's not a phone call. They share the mail. If I remember, it, they they share the mailbox at the same house. But that's a love story, oh, from, so, so it's a little oh, different. Okay. <laughs> a little different. That's a little more different of a from horror situation. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So I guess within conversation, I guess she realized that, uh, like, that her family was visiting the house they were going to buy to, to later become her home. And so then he was like, "Oh my God, there's my dad. I I missed hearing his voice. Let's go." Can you save him? And then she goes on a mission to go save him, which is great. Because then all of a sudden, in a very interesting uh, CG effect, that, that her world cool. kind of yeah, and that was shift, really cool too. That, that was like one of the cool parts. I thought that was probably one of the coolest parts is the way they would use those transitions to shift realities, like mm-hmm. and kind of just made it like very dramatic, like very intense. I, that was pretty. Yeah. Was, to me, that was one of the strongest aspects of the film. Okay. Okay. Um, and so then, like. Things shift and turn, and then all of a sudden her father is alive and well after the young girl. I think it's uh, her name is Sun Yuk or something. Young Young Suk is her name. The young girl from the past, mm. and and then we later find out that kind of slowly, I guess, that the mother was beating up her child in a way for a good reason. That being that she is a demon or a bad person. And and then when I guess Young Sook found out from her future friend that her mother was going to kill her or she was going to be arrested for a long period of time, she decides to kill her mother. And that's when the movie kind of takes a, a south turn to be like, I'm just going to go on a killing spree at this point and become a, a serial killer. But I guess she was always crazy. You just, I guess you don't always know who you're talking to. Like you, you think <laughs> everybody has good, you think everybody has um, good intentions uh, until they don't. 
<laughs> right. And so I found that part interesting. I mean, obviously, like, again, the mother was kind of, I guess the way that the movie portrayed it, the mother from the past was trying to contain the craziness of her daughter by beating her up or torturing her. Wasn't an effective way. By until she eventually, before. until she eventually tries to, you know, eventually until she does kill her or tries to kill her. Right, right. And then I guess at this point, because of the information, her the, the daughter had the upper hand and decided and was able to kill her. And then decided to cut up the bodies and put them in refrigerators. Not yeah, that's pretty that interesting. Yeah, a little, a little crazy. Um, but I feel like the the moment where like things got interesting was when it looked the 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 the, the young girl from the future um, was kind of ignoring the phone calls from Young Suk of the past, and so because she's a serial killer. Young Suk decided to then murder in the most brutal way possible her father and therefore changing her reality yet again. And, and, and probably one of the more dramatic moments of the movie because like they're literally driving and she's like screaming, like she sees him disappearing. And then you get that again, that effect shot and like the car is like kind of going into pieces. And like, that was a really cool scene of like them bending through reality. And, and then after that, then it's kind of like a race against, I guess, because Young Suk has literally the younger version of herself held hostage, that she is bended to the will of whatever she wants her to do. And in this case, preventing the cops from finding who, who finding, the murders were attached to. Yeah, find, finding, out, finding out what evidence they, they used. Yes. To um to find out that she killed all those people. Right. And so then that's where the movie kind of like I guess we're building into the final act here is like and I think it was clever for the girl of the future to kind of like I'm going to send you through this place where I know that the place is going to blow up. Yeah. <laughs> at, at Almost worked. Time. Almost worked. Yes. And then it was a race uh against time, I guess, of like the young girl not being killed, the mother swooping in and trying to save her. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it was an interesting movie. I like, I'm, I, I feel like there's a lot of places like we're kind of all over the place with this story. Um, what, what were your, what was your take on all that? Um, I thought it wasn't bad. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I thought it was, it didn't like, it was more about their relationship with each other and like how the little things just you know very much butterfly effect you know one thing happens mm-hmm. all these other it causes all these other things to happen like to me the strongest part of the movie was like as i mentioned the transition they used when they shifted reality realities um i kind i did like that at the end you know you think you get this happy fairy tale ending but then she like somehow survived but then did we go back in time did we go back and then she called her past self? Well, there, there was I mean? a scene. Yeah, there was a scene before the final battle scene, or the final fight scene, was that we saw the older version of her call the uh, her younger self. Like the, the young Sook called her younger self and was like, hey, people are going to try to kill you. And when they were showing that scene, like, you see her on the phone, like, looking through, like, the peephole, seeing that, like, people are coming to her house. 
And I think she was saying, like, try to protect yourself from dying, I guess. Or, like, be prepared. So I don't know if she decided to fake her death when she fell off the, uh, like, the, um, the, from the second floor. Like, did she decide just to stay dead and therefore, like, thinking that everything's okay and then... But then who decided that reality should change? Like, if she wasn't actually dead? Like, how did that much time uh, pass? I, like, like you know what I mean? Like, she went to the funeral. Yeah. Like, she went to the funeral place with her mom. She was walking down the street with her mom. She saw her scars from that night as if they've already yeah. lived life past that moment. And then we get this, I don't know, like, we get this jump back to the older one that yeah. I guess calls well, the younger one, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. At least in, in this particular case, maybe, you know, time is irrelative. No, that's not the word, is it? Time is relative, time, I guess. Maybe irrelevant? she can call, maybe because she was an actual witch, she can call, she was able to call an earlier point in history to bring herself back. Uh, maybe. I, I just took it as that maybe, like, we were, since we were already given different realities of, of this, this woman's life, we were then given an, an, a reality that was a happy ending and then later finding out that that happy ending wasn't really happy. So I think we just got a glimpse into that happier ending when it really wasn't. So I think it was more of like an editing tactic than it was a story move. Oh, I, I, I don't saying. know. Because yeah. then, I mean, she's walking down the funeral home, the, the, the graveyard with her mom, and then all of a sudden her mom disappears and then she flashes – and then she's in like the torture chair with the girl. Yeah, and then so then that was that was the older version of herself, right? Yeah, exactly. So does she yeah, keep her was, for all those years, or I don't know? It, unless I'm not sure if there's a sequel in play, but maybe the movie. Now I'm just thinking out loud here. Maybe the movie kind of gave us two endings, so to speak. Like maybe. they gave us the they gave us the happy ending, so we can choose to believe that. Or we can choose to believe that it wasn't a happy ending and it was actually a dark, twisted, you're never leaving this loop type of ending. Like, I got you for good. But then again, I don't know what the, the um, like, outside from, like, trying to solve, like, having the future version, like, stop, try, kind, of, kind of kill the evidence um, for so that she doesn't get caught. Other than that, I really didn't see why aside from a personal vendetta and because she's a serial killer, why she needed to go on and have this revenge on um, killing the, the future woman and the daughter and everything. Well, because now she was the reason why, you know, she was mad. She's a, she's a psycho. So she, you know, yeah. she wanted her to be able to control her, you know, she, I, well, not control, That's her, true. But, you know, you know what I mean? Like she, yeah, yeah, she did her wrong. So she wanted to take out, seek revenge on her as much as she could. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, I, I it was it was interesting. I did like the fact that this was a like a time travel movie without anyone going through time. Like it was an interesting perspective on how they that we can perceive time, and time is just like a phone call. But yet, and and things only really changed for her, like the young the young woman, like in the future, like everyone else was oblivious to these changes. Except for our main character. So maybe because she sure. was the link. Maybe because she was the link between the past. So she knew. Nobody knew what. Because she already had prior knowledge of 
that of uh, that the past can be changed that there's magic happening here i don't know i maybe but like i guess the the mother never knew about the the time traveling element it, she just knew that her her husband wasn't alive and her daughter went missing and so she went out to try to solve the case here and then later found out that she was held cop captive the father was dead and um she was kind of running for her life there I don't know. It was an interesting concept. It was an yeah. interesting concept, and I and I enjoyed the sci-fi element of it, but I, I don't know what something was missing. Something was missing in that story for me to really get hooked, so to speak. And I'm not sure if I can put my put my finger on it. Hmm. I don't know. I didn't have. I, I thought it was in bed. I didn't have. I thought it was a uh, story was good. I don't. I'm trying to think what more. It, it could have needed like you got we we had decent s- s- character development I, for the most part mm-hmm. um and it did provide a twist because you would think it's like you know they were a happy exchange of like yeah. you saved my dad i'm gonna give you like the music like early like 20 years early like she was like you know putting the the tape recorder to the phone so she can record her favorite band who came back on tour um so like they were kind of having an interesting friendship it wasn't until her father came back and she was ignoring the calls where things turned even more south for for our for the character of the future yes yeah, like i did something for you but you're not going to do something for me right and so like i'm not sure how much that she could do which i mean i guess in that regard i guess you can somewhat understand for her killing her father because like you ignored me but also well, for not killing well, her father, but I can understand her being upset for not wanting – like if she asked for help and she said no, it's like I'm pretty sure I just brought your dad back to life. Right. But, you know, she she wanted to hold on to her morals and then she got her father killed. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. So, like, I, I don't know whose fault is that. She's like, I'm just going to ignore these calls knowing full well that she has literally control of your future. Um, so I'm not sure if she thought that she was capable of doing anything like that, but obviously she was very much capable of doing that. Um, and then she kind of put herself into torture. The only thing is that I don't know what the inciting incident was. Like there was nothing that drove this to happen in the first place. And I've made, maybe that's the disconnect. Maybe I wanted more to tie like how this phone call got started, or maybe that's just part of the mystery of it, the whole situation. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm seeking more into something that doesn't need to be more of, but something was missing for me. Something was missing for me to really enjoy the movie. I liked it. I, I'd say I had a bad time watching it, and it wasn't a bad movie. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but there was something there that like, was missing to make it from good to great, I guess, if that's what I'm saying. Uh, I see what you're saying. I mean, it was good. I don't, I don't know. I felt like maybe... We should have maybe gotten more of her past, of understanding what made her crazy. Maybe that would have helped us understand mm. her a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because really the only connection that we have is the fact that they were both in the same house. Like, yeah. like the, the, the actual phone call has nothing to do with anything other than we live in the same house. So somehow there is a connection there. Um but also in the beginning of the movie, she kept looking at the wall like there was something bad like in there. 
we later know that the wall has, you know, has like a whole torture chamber in there. Uh, but we never came back to that in the present day. So I'm not sure if that was ever important. Um, I don't know. Maybe I wanted something. I guess I just wanted something more. Maybe you were expecting something different. Maybe. And, and I went into this movie not expecting anything. So, like, I didn't, I, I, we, we, I watched this movie off of a pure recommendation um, from our good friend Brandon. And he said it was a good movie. And so I didn't even watch the trailer. I said, we're going to review this eventually. And so we did. And so I, I literally knew nothing walking into this movie. So I, I couldn't say that I expected pretty much of anything. Um, but I, I like the concept. I think it's interesting. I'm not sure if I would be like rushing to go back to see a sequel if they did sequelize this. Mm, I think at this point, I think I would only because I want to know what's, I want to know what's, I want to know what happens. I'm so, do you think like how much more could happen though? I guess that's also my question. Like, it seems like, are we just going to see her get out of this situation again? It looks like we caught ourselves up to the present. Like she's captured. Like I can see this as just a dark ending. Like, yeah, that's how I saw it too. Through. I don't like I. Yeah. I don't see it really going anywhere. But I mean, she's technically on the loose, and but what are they gonna do? Is she gonna call somebody else and trap somebody else? Like, what? Where do? Where do you? Where would the story even go? You know. Right, and that 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 and that's my point exactly. I like to take this as a dark ending um, approach, and we're not gonna really continue on this. But you know, I mean, all in all, I like the movie. It was I, I love a good time travel. I love anything that, that kind of deals with that, as you know. So I think um, it was good on that part. And the horror was it was more of a thriller, less of a horror, I guess. You did have you did have the killings and the murder. So I guess there's a horror element to it. Um, but um, it wasn't like. Well, was it was it gory? Do you think that was gory? I mean, there was some gore, but it wasn't like it wasn't like overdone. I mean, you didn't see her yeah. chop the bodies up, but you, you saw the body in the bag. So obviously, you got the okay. She killed her mom and then chopped her up. Right. So it was implied, obviously. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, it was a good movie. It wasn't a great movie. Um, I I kind of preferred the darker ending because I feel like too many stories end happy. So I like I, I I don't I I, I kind of like that at the end it kind of like here's here you go here's a nice ending to a horror movie but it's not because it's... <laughs> <laughs> um so I kind of like that uh, aspect of it so that was like a little bit of a twist that I didn't really see coming it did feel like they were setting it for a sequel but I hope that you kind of just leave everything as it is I think that was a good ending for it um so yeah I just liked it what were your final thoughts. That was it. My, I think my biggest takeaway is um, the CGI was good. Some of the jump scares were pretty good. I, I, I do, you know, especially like seeing the changing, the reality change from during in the present time. But also like the dark ending, as you were saying, like you know, so many times, even scary movies, that you get that you get like a very happy ending, and this, you know, was not that. <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't. Um... So yeah, there you go. That's our spoiler review on our foreign film of the month, The Call. It's available on Netflix, um, and it's a South Korean film. And another, I mean, South Korea, they they know how to make films, man. Like they, they like do. I don't think we've ever seen like a really bad South Korean film from the ones that we've been um, privileged enough to to watch over on Netflix and all the other streaming services. Um, so yeah, I mean they know how to make films, and this is another uh, a good one. It wasn't definitely wasn't the best one. 
But another good one to add to the list of the foreign films that we've seen in this long-running uh, monthly thing we've been doing. Agreed. Uh, um, so, so yeah, and also uh, we want to hear more recommendations from you for our next foreign film of the month. Uh, we like doing these because it, you know, it kind of broadens our horizons on what else kind of filmmaking's out there from different from different places around the world. So, if you've seen a, a foreign film, please let us know. We have an email at boxofficebingers at gmail.com. Hit us up or any of our social media channels. Um, you know, we'll love to hear your recommendations, and we might watch it the next time we do our next foreign film of the month. Um, so there you go. That's all the show we have for you guys this week. Next week, Ernesto, as we teased earlier, we are going to we're going to be reviewing Venom. Let there be carnage. Mm. Uh, without giving anything away, Ernesto, like, are you excited? So, was it was it worth the wait? I should say that was it worth like the lo- the many delays? Like, do you do do you even not want to say that at all? I don't even want to say that at all because that's a that's a very loaded question. <laughs> well, obviously you had a, a nice theater experience, nonetheless. Yeah, and I saw a movie saying. in Dolby. So even and you saw a movie in Dolby, right? Even a bad movie looks great in Dolby. <laughs> if that's not a tease or a hint, who knows? We're gonna find out next week on another episode. Of this, I, I'm really looking forward to Venom. Like we, like we said earlier, I'm not a huge, fa- I wasn't a huge fan of the first one, but it has Carnage in it, and that's already a, a go-getter. Yeah. Oh yeah, and with Woody Harrelson leading the charge, who knows what shenanigans they can get into? But I also know it's going to be a quick shenanigans because the movie is a, a crisp 90 minutes. Yeah, I, it's it's a, a very short movie. Uh, compared to other Marvel movies and other superhero movies out there that tend to be a little bit longer, like around the two-hour range. So that also has me intrigued. Like It feels like this is going to be a fast-paced going story. I don't know. But we're going to dive into all of that on next week's episode. If you want more from us, you can hit us up on our social media channels on Instagram at boxofficebingers. I'm sorry. On Instagram at boxoffice underscore bingers. And then on Facebook and TikTok at boxoffice bingers um and there you go we'll continue the fun next week and for that i've been your host matt diaz Ernesto santos see ya